You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey guys, this is Rick Hadrava again, and you're listening to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. You know, um, it's not uncommon for me to reach out to my network and just ask them who they know that might be a good guest for the podcast or the Zoom calls that we do or just somebody that I want to connect with and learn more about. And I did that recently to a few friends and was referred today's guest, Ellen Hefner. And as Ellen and I connected and had a phone conversation, I got extremely excited because Ellen is a special needs consultant and she works with families who have children with disabilities uh, from a planning perspective, but resources uh, that are available. She, she kind of guides them through this. And it, it might sound on the surface like that has nothing to do with the over 50 entrepreneur or business in general. But I have to tell you that over the years, you know, we we talk about business owners, not only from how to get more freedom in their business through growth metrics and, and processes and the like, but the truth is there are silent killers that can wreck a business and they can also have a big impact on families. And so I'm really excited to welcome to our studios today via phone call, uh, my guest, Ellen Hefner. Ellen, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Rick, for having me. Well, listen, I, first of all, appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us. And I'm very interested in this topic because I have friends and, and clients that I've worked with that fall into this category. But before we do that, let's take a step back and maybe introduce you. Uh, tell us a little bit about you for those that maybe haven't heard of you up until this point. Thanks. My name is Ellen. I am a, uh, a widow. I um, have three children and um, I used to work in the nonprofit field. I worked with uh, Oklahoma Family Network and I helped families as a guide to figure out, you know, IEPs and IFSPs and, you know, where do you go for services? Who's, what about Sooner Care? What about um, sooner start. Uh, and so finding programs and, and um, agencies and resources for families. I used to do that. I, as uh, my youngest son, William, was born with a disability. And we got into um, the Sooner Start program early on when he was a couple weeks old. And um, I became an advocate, would go to the Capitol, found my calling and talking about how great early intervention is and that's when the nonprofit worlds opened up. And so I always thought that I knew so much about disability and what to get and how to support my child because I had a child and I was, I learned all the resources and uh, my husband and I were very supportive of raising William and supporting the other two kids as well, the older two. And then when my husband died, I found out that we were, we weren't prepared. We hadn't planned as far as we should should have. We had a business. We didn't plan as much for that either. We always thought, of course, you know, that we're both young and we're going to be around together for a long time. And we never fully realized those plans. And uh, it was a couple weeks after 
um, his funeral, I I went and had a, a trust, a special needs trust written real quick. So I thought I'd check in the box, did that. It was really difficult because I had to find out what's going to happen to my son, William. That's a lifelong sort of who's going to take after William, you know, who's going to watch after my youngest, uh, all these ideas that and questions and, you know, things that I should have done before I didn't do. And then um, I started to look at the way the, the will, was, the trust was written and found out that it, it didn't really protect the other two, the other beneficiaries, which would, would be the, my older two kids. And so I went to school and found out how to do it right. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, and the only and the only reason saying that I want to do it right because after I'm gone, and whatever's written, that's written, right? You know, so we we can't change. So I'm so becoming a, a strong advocate for families, and I have done it in the past. This is just a different sort of teaching and educating that I'm doing now. So when when you when your husband passed away and you experienced all this and you know, you realized that maybe things weren't set right for William. How did you address that from the standpoint of, you know, I know you went and got the special needs and you talked about checklist, but, you know, at what point did you realize, hey, I've got to do this stuff a little different and uncover these issues? And and the other side of that, Ellen, is do people that go through similar situations that you've worked with, because I know you're an advocate for other families today because of this experience, is, is it a common theme that you find? Oh, of course. Um, so my husband and I did start a will. We just didn't finish it. And um, who we had in the will before was uh, my brother and my um, sister-in-law. And my sister-in-law had passed away. So there's that unfinished will. You know, we have to relook at it and... So we never really talked about those next steps. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's difficult to, the, the, every, when I meet a family and I talk to them about, um, you know, what their dreams are or what they, you know, before you even get into all the dreams, it's, do you have a will? Do you have a, you know, what's, what's going to happen to your child? Who, where, where's your child going to go after you're gone? This is so difficult. And for me, even asking my sister, who I love, and she loves me and she loves, she loves her nephew, she loves my son, um, I was afraid she was going to say no. Because then it's, you know, where do I go? Especially with all those feelings, you know, so short, soon after my husband died. So I remember asking Mary, I said, Mary, Elizabeth, could, could you and your husband, Brent, um, I want to see if you guys, can I put you as the guardians of William if something happens to me? She said, I got to talk to Brent about this. And I was like, oh, I just, I just got, I was just, okay. You know, you don't, I didn't get upset, you know, no tears. I was just like, yeah, that's, of course, this is a big decision. It was like a, maybe a couple weeks later, um, we were at a family gathering and my brother-in-law Brent came up to me and he said, uh, he's got this really nice thick accent, country accent. And he said, uh, I would be honored, with tears in his eyes, he said this to me, I would be honored to be in William's life for the rest of my life. And so, you know, you don't know, it always gives me chills just thinking of that, because these are really difficult conversations anyway, right? You know, everyone has to write a will. But that lifelong commitment, William's always going to need some sort of support. He's going to need someone he can trust. 
he's going to need someone that's going to include them on their family vacation. And, and so those are a little bit, I always think as a, a parent, it's a little more to ask. And here Brent comes back and said, this is that you would pick me with this chat. Yes. You know? And so I find that when I talk with parents, that that's the first kind of huge obstacle, right? You know, sometimes families are, when you have a child with a disability, some, you figure out where your friends are, you know, some, it's a little more difficult or their child's a little bit louder. Oh my gosh, that one's got behavior. So you kind of, things thin out a little bit after you have a child with a disability and, or a behavior issue. And, um, and even families sometimes, you know, they're, you don't know where those strong or the people you can count on or those who show up. And so asking someone, if something happens to me or my husband or single moms or single dads, something happens to me, will you be that person in my son's life or my daughter's life? It's difficult. And um, so getting through that with parents is a, a little process. These plans and conversations are not a 45 minute. And um, so that's a start. And then there's so many other things that's on a checklist talking about guardianship, you know, after my son William's 18, I thought I really, really knew what I wanted for William and guardianship. And then now I'm, I don't know, you know, so having that conversation, who's, who's there to support him, you know, who's, when he's 18, um, uh, how about group housing? How is he going to live? Is he going to live at home? You know, these are all these checklists that you have to get through you know, right before 18, because things start to change. Um, do I need a durable power of attorney? And so what about his benefits? How do I get some, some of those benefits? Social Security? Do I get some Social Security Association and get SSI benefits? Supplemental Security? I mean, Medicaid? And so there's so many things on this list that talking with parents and having someone to help guide them is important. Absolutely. And as somebody who does a little bit of that guidance myself, not not with special needs, but just in general, I know how hard it is just to have a conversation with family members or friends about guardianship in a normal situation. And, you know, the thing that came to my mind as I was listening to you, Ellen, is what do you do in that role when there is nobody that's willing to step in, you know, um, because I imagine that it's an uncomfortable conversation, and, and once in a while you don't have anybody. So do you come across that in the in the consulting work that you do with with families with special needs? Yes, yes, I do. Um, and in those instances, I, I would say you know the one of the biggest mistakes first going in is you know I said oh I have my plan for William you know we have our plan. I pretty much know how to do this. And instead of listening, I just pretty much thought that I told them, you know, we've all made those mistakes, you know. But when you listen and you start hearing those stories, they're all individual. And each one um, where I may say that maybe a trust situation is good for that child, or maybe there's, a, a you know, some sort of group or um, a community that would be good. It's conversation like that. So everything is individualized to that family, but there are other options if there's not family. Sure, sure. Well, listen, I, I, I want to circle back. You, you mentioned that you had a business before your husband passed away. 
And yeah. tell tell me tell us a little bit about that business and what happened to the business, you know, when your husband passed. Oh, yeah. All that I know now, I wish I knew then. It really depends, and both of us, it really depends on who's advising you. You know that in your business as well. We had a, um, my husband and I had a, uh, a pinball and video game shop. He repaired pinball machines and video games all across the state. Um, we had a little store, um, a little storefront, and he enjoyed it. He'd go to people's houses um, and uh, fix games. He'd travel. He'd been out of state several times to fix games, and he enjoyed the work. Um, we enjoyed it. Our house was always filled with video games and pinball machines, and I did the books, and it was a really nice family business. But the advising part, um, we didn't really have that key man insurance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when key man's gone, what happens? I couldn't repair the games. Inventory, you know, what do you do with it? Uh, how do you, it, it was just, it had to close. There was no way that this this business could go on, um, and like I said, when you, that is, when someone passes away and there's no plans, there's no going back, you know. So the the sad part about it was that all that um, great time, you know, we had the business for oh gosh, uh, seventeen, eighteen years, wow. and then it was closed. And uh, you know, then of course with our family, you know, that was pretty much are the main source of income. And so then how do you provide for that income replacement? You can't. Right. And so, um, you know, the, the, it, which kind of makes sense that maybe, you know, everyone gets into work because of their stories. I don't usually talk about that story, but that's a, a huge one for business owners. Um, you always look at the amount of money that you're spending on these protections or planning um, until you don't have it, and then how much it would have helped you. I just wish that we would have had an advisor that would have worked us through that. Um, yeah. And at sometimes I don't think that you know talking with you or working with the state treasurer's office and outreach for able accounts for families who have kids with disabilities, or you know putting an article out every month in the City Sentinel about. Um, parts of planning for, for families, I feel like I'm still not doing enough um, because it's that outreach. It's that, you know, trying to get this information out there, but how do we make people actually take action on it? And I don't always think it's sad stories. I think it's good stories. I think it's talking about this great feeling, which I didn't have after my husband died and the pinball shop closed. Um, this great feeling I have now that my son William has a plan that when I'm gone, he'll still have income. He'll still have the a home that he can live in. Um, my his two siblings, who one's in college and one's at a ballet conservatory, they can keep living their life or making their dreams come true. There's this great relief and relaxed feeling in having a plan. Um, not just for my youngest, William, but for those other two as well. Well, and and you're right. It's not just sad stories. Um, and, and I think you've done a lot of good. And, and let's get into that. But, you know, the reality is, and, and it, it does 
take to heart for me the fact that you had this business that had been around for so long because we all have as business owners, we all have timelines, whether we know it or not. And I, I always like to say you're, you're either in that category in your timeline where you're thinking about selling or you've got something you're going to run forever or maybe you're going to transition to family members. And, and then things, things happen, though, that are out of, our, out, of, out of our control, whether it's the current pandemic or it's a situation like, like you guys went through. And that's the whole that's the whole reason. That's the why of, you know, this show. I wanted to get this out with you uh, because it resonates and hopefully, you know, we all are busy all the time and just trying to put out fires and do things. But there are other issues that require our attention that we kind of back burner so many times. And, um, you know, that's what I love about the work that you're doing is you're bringing it out front and, and helping people prepare for that. Um, and maybe it never happened, you know, it, it never happens to the, to the degree that it happened with you and your family. But let, let's get into, share a couple, you know, some of the work that you've done. It drives you, I can tell in our prior conversations, you've talked about it. But what are some of the success stories that you've been able to accomplish through your advocacy for special needs families? So uh, bringing up the pandemic, it's, uh, it's kind of given us all sort of a pause, right? Uh, we, we restructure our lives. We do things differently. I mentioned earlier about doing outreach for the state treasurer's office. Uh, Randy McDaniel's a, a big support of my going out and talking about the ABLE Act. And it, to, this is the success story related with the pandemic and the CARES Act that uh, this, out of the state treasurer's office, there's a, there's, they, they have the 529, and um, that's for families who want to save for their, their kids who have, are going to go to college. And uh, they also have the OK Stable account. Um, OK Stable is a, it's really um, a new program in Oklahoma. We've had it since 2018. But the law was written ABLE law was written in 2016, and it stands for Achieving a Better Life Experience. It's this beautiful law written in broad, broad language about how families who have kids with disabilities can save money for them. There's all these kind of rules if you have a child with a disability and they need, need benefits. And so one of those rules is they can't have any assets over $2,000. If we think about the pandemic, how can anyone survive through those, you know, six weeks of not being able to go to work and not be able to save more than $2,000. So there's limitations with benefits. So Oklahoma gets this, this um, we get our own stable account, okay, stable account, and it's a savings account. It grows tax-free. Um, the people who provide benefits, the two big ones that mostly um, people in uh, disability world are concerned about is SSI and Medicaid. And they know that you have the money. They know that you have the account, but it doesn't keep you f from having your benefits. Um, there's a couple of rules on it. And I do, uh, I speak to business owners. I speak to uh, communities, groups, support groups, all about this, um, this account, because it is a piece of planning for your child. Uh, when I had William, when I was young, 
uh, right in the hospital, uh, they told me three things. Get in a support group. Early intervention is great. And don't ever save any money to his name. And I didn't really realize that until you get into talking about benefits. Now I can, parents can save money for their child to prepare for their future, to, you know, we don't know what, I didn't really know what was going to, what William was going to need or want, and, and then to provide for that. Think about if you're concerned about a friend of yours not having needs to be met or something that they need and giving them cash, that might affect their benefits. And so you, it's all this sort of, it's, it's an opened up sort of, well, it's just another another avenue to help you prepare for this. And, and basically what it did is it changed the theme of don't save anything, but it, it allows you to put that money back for William uh, in your case. What are, the, what are the limits, Ellen, on the Stable Act? Are there any limits to what can be contributed? Yeah, it's 15000 per year. Um, one account, one adult, it's in uh, the adult who has the, di- the disability, adult or child who has the disability's name. So 15000 per year. If you have, if uh, an adult has a job and is employed, there's a little bit more that you can put in. And I think it's up to the federal poverty line. So I, I believe it's 27000 and some change this year that you can give if you have a job. But the good thing, here comes the, you know, I wanted, you asked me a question about the, the good just recently, is that adults with disabilities were getting stimulus checks. And what do you do with those stimulus checks? Is it going to affect the benefits? You know, if they only have a $2,000 resource, how much money do they have in their, their account? They're going to have to deposit this check or their benefit, you know, all these questions. So with the state treasurer's office support, been doing all these webinars talking about the CARES Act stimulus checks, and a safe place to put those checks is the OK Staple account. So in the past six weeks, we've been very busy um, talking about this, and I will say Oklahoma was trailblazers and thinking about using the um, these ABLE accounts across the, all the states um, to put these stimulus checks in. And so I'm pretty proud of Oklahoma and our team here. But we're helping these families start to save money with the stimulus check, um, depositing it. And we've opened up so many of these ABLE accounts. I do not make any money on these accounts. This is all outreach. But I know as being a parent, these are very important. These are, a, these are very important tools for families to learn how to save for adults who are always told not to save who have a disability, and now they can save. Um, We have great success stories in Oklahoma. Um, One made national news, a couple who's married always wanted a house, but they could never save up enough money because of their asset limitation to have a down payment. Now they have a house. It's because they put money in ABLE and they saved um, with their job. They every Every paycheck, they put money in, and so now they have a house. Just think of that feeling. I know I felt great when I had a house of my own. They are now can get a house of their own, um, adults with disabilities. So it's really a game changer. I think for, for people who work with families, teaching families how to save, they're doing it. We're, we're letting them dream. We're letting them figure out what they want to spend their money on, and uh, I just think it's huge success. So, like I well, said, I've always been an advocate for adults with disabilities. And to see that, just even talking to those homeowners, it just makes you feel great. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's such important work that you're doing. And, you know, it's it's just a real life issue, whether you're a business owner or not. Um, but Ellen, you know, we, we believe it or not, we've quickly come to the end of the episode. And, and what I want to make sure is our audience knows where they can go to maybe connect with you or to learn more about um, the stable account and the stable act. Um, if, if it's something that is new to them that they want to learn more. Great. Well, the website for OK Stable is okstable.org. There's so much information on there. Bringing up the business owners really quick. I do work with business owners with the OK Stable account because if you have an employee that has a child with a disability, you can do a direct deposit like you would for their 529 if the employers do that. So they they can start saving money for their child in a safe way for them if they have a child with a disability or an employee who has a disability, direct deposit, because before it goes to your your checking account, you can at least prepare and save for your future before it hits your checking account. So I love to work with business owners that way. My email address is ehefner at financialguide.com. Would love to um, visit your your business, your support groups, um, and talk about OK Stable. Ellen, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to to be on the show today. And guys, if you go to our website um, after you listen to the podcast at epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast, that's www.epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast, you'll catch this podcast show notes. Um, you can see other resources and be sure to sign up for future episodes and give us a rating if you like it. That helps. That's what my production folks say. And again, until next time, remember, this is the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast, and we're just getting started. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, Think bigger and pursue next level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com slash formula. And remember, we're only getting started.